Welcome to DJ Coffee Talk. Do you ever hear a song, see a piece of art, or hear an idea and think to yourself, I wonder who made that? What are they like? That's what we aim to do here on the podcast. We sit down and share a cup of coffee with artists and creators of all forms to get a better understanding of the human behind the art. Our goal is to bridge the gap between art and audience, creators and their creations, and to cultivate shared humanity with each conversation. We're really excited to have you listening and hope you enjoyed today's episode. Today we sit down with Tio, a music producer and DJ based out of Phoenix, Arizona. His music is versatile and unique and contains elements of future bass and future trap. Tio shares a perspective on music production, the music industry, building his name as an artist, and the relationship between health, life, and music. Here's his hit single, Feel Something, which is incredible, and then we jump straight into conversation right after that. Enjoy. And um, something we want to start off by talking about is kind of like genres, especially in like EDM. It's such a weird thing to try and put a title on some of the like infusions of, of sound that you guys create. So if you could start off by telling us kind of what you would consider your genre, if you like genres or having a title or kind of where you fit. Yeah, I think uh, genres for me is always one of the tougher things to, to talk about, especially people outside of EDM or they don't understand all the nuances between the different genres. Um, I would say a blanket statement's kind of like I, I do future bass music. Um, but that genre kind of gets a, a bad rap just because of, um, I'd say there's kind of a cliche-ness aspect to it, right? Um, super size, Tom fills, um, that aspect. But um yeah, and then there's so many subgenres in there, right? Like you're wearing a Son Holo shirt. Son Holo is considered future bass, I guess, but you listen to his music and it's so different um, than a lot of uh, what I think people would put the label of future bass on. Right. right. Have, sorry. You're fine. No, you're good. Have you heard of the um, genre of, it's just a weird name, it's called like Vapor Twitch? Um. I have heard of Vapor Twitch. So I don't know if it's Vapor Twitch. I've heard of Vapor Wave. Um, That's probably it. Vapor Wave, yeah. So I I did not understand that because I saw people saying like E. coli was Vapor Twitch or something. Yeah, I didn't know what it was. And then Spotify told me it was like my most listened genre of last year, I guess. But I had no idea what, what it was. So if I could take a guess, I would I would guess it, it would be like former hero type shit. Okay. That would be what I would guess would be vapor twitch. But. That's, that's what I was thinking. Um, 
can can we take a second to for me to fanboy over uh former hero because he's kind of dude um, who i noticed i went onto your instagram and i was looking at a couple of your clips from your live sets and i saw a former hero uh song your set i was like yes <laughs> that's how we originally connected right you guys have to figure out that you like what i like we both like the same oh. <laughs> yeah and and that's someone if we're going to talk about genres that i feel like is really pushing um just a new type of sound like I'm already seeing kind of what he's doing repeated um, from a lot of younger producers coming up. Yeah. Um, but even him, like when he first started, like what, what are you going to put that, what label are you going to put him in? Right. As an artist um, genre, you know? So I think that's where it gets tricky. And I honestly don't believe in genres unless you're, talking like i make house like okay house is a pretty defined like four on the floor um but you look at some of this other stuff like saw and holo and they're they're just making music you know um right well it's hard to put something into words that's like music because all the grandtastic parts of it are it's so amazing that you can't put it into words it's kind of the whole point of music i feel like sometimes it's a feeling it's a body experience yeah that and it's like well the whole point of music is <laughs> a box and then we try to put it in one to categorize it yeah and even looking at like other guys that you may say is future bass like hex cougar um like, i don't know it's just to me it's especially like kind of the land i'm in is such a broad spectrum um so yeah yeah absolutely so i mean it is kind of a um Generic question, but I like to, to, to ask like electronic music producers what their influences is because, are because there like probably are so many for you, even from maybe different genres. So who would you consider kind of who you draw on for inspiration or just who you like really love or go to all the time? Yeah, so the guys that I draw a lot of inspiration from are honestly usually going to be like the more emotional um, producers, uh, guys like casbo um casbo is probably my number one um and i don't i don't know how mainstream casbo is but guys like him like son holo for sure um anything that's coming out on bitbird um a lot of the foreign family guys um so i, I definitely love um kind of the emotional side of edm music but i also am really into like harder trap stuff so that's where i'm kind of coming at is i want to find a way to personally balance the two of what I like. And then um, outside of EDM, my, my favorite artist of all times got to be James Blake. Um, that guy is an, an insane producer, but so simple at the same time. Yeah. Well, do you think there's, there's an art to that? Like uh, when it comes to producing, like I feel like you might be able to overproduce something too much. Is there like, a, some, like a, an art to being sim simplistic? I would, I would say so, but at the same, like, I think it's a choice. Um, you hear a lot of production now that's so complex. They've got so many drum fills going on, um, five different synths in the drop. And uh, I love that stuff. Like if you guys ever listen to more Kismet, like that kid is fucking insane um, the way he produces. But for me, I, I feel like simplicity is key especially if you're trying to push kind of what we talked about earlier of like a feeling through mm -hmm. um especially like an emotion 
I think simplicity is key. If you're going for like the hard shit and you can't even comprehend what you're listening to, right. <laughs> as yeah. it's flying through. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's definitely I think where a more complex nature comes in. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've been I've seen James Blake like three times, and that dude live, it's literally him a keyboard he's got like a looping foot pedal a guitarist and a guy on drums so there's three people up there um and that's really kind of i take a lot from that of kind of simplicity and there's also um it's like a scientific study i'm probably gonna butcher this but uh i think your brain can only process i think it's like five sounds at a time so you have bass drums synth vocals maybe one more thing going um yeah and it just makes it kind of for me more of a simple process right um, versus kind of playing that war of how complex can i make my music it creates like a limitation to it but that lets you actually create something at that point because there's, there's limitless possibilities as to what you can make it becomes hard to create one succinct thing but if you're like hey there's five rules and i gotta follow them but then other than that i have free reign I feel like it yeah. gives you a lot more creative freedom because you're like, five sounds is the limit. How do they <laughs> compile these to make it dope as fuck? And then you kind of figure it out, which is awesome. But I also wonder if people can shift their focus on what five sounds they're listening to. That'd be kind of interesting. You know, say you put 10 in, then someone focuses on five sounds in a song and then another five the second time they listen to it. That'd be kind of crazy. Yeah. yeah. With Holo, I feel like that's happening sometimes. I mean, fanboy. yeah. And you can listen to any artist, right? And like, you go and put headphones on and you're like, shit, I did not notice that. I was listening, I think it was the Casbo the other day in my car and I just heard like this little arp in the background. I'm like, I never noticed that. And then you listen to it and like every time you listen to the song, you're kind of hooked on that one. Right. right? Isn't that a beautiful thing about like really good art too is you come back and you see something different. You know, yeah. you come back a third or fourth, fifth, tenth, maybe your hundredth time listening to that Casbo song. It's like that little tut in the background. You're like, God damn, that's awesome. Yeah, and it's like listening to it in different settings too, right? Your work and your car, like live. I mean, I've I've gone to live shows and taken away a totally different appreciation for the artist or for certain songs after seeing them in that live setting. Do you think it kind of facilitates that relationship between you and the artist a little bit better too in that situation? And my second question on top of that is, do you think it's possible to create that type of intimacy doing these live shows like you've been doing on on doing live sets via virtually as opposed to in person because there's a better connection in person rather than streaming. You feel like it's just a, a technological adjustment we're making. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're two totally different beasts, you know, um, live shows, you've got that connection with the audience, um, or with the artist that you're at. And I think a lot of these guys, um, craft their live shows now. So personally and, um, like with the live edits and shit that you're there and you feel like, damn, I'm one of few people who got to see this or got to hear that song. And I mean, a lot of big artists, you know, um, they have that song in their set that they keep in there. I mean, Odessa, for example, had Loyal for what, like, I want to say almost like two years they're playing that in their sets. And then when they dropped it, you're like, fuck, like <laughs> yeah. so many memories of seeing them. Um, Sophie Tucker. I don't know if you guys have ever had this. You're at a live show, um, DJ set, band, whatever, and uh, they play an unreleased song, and you totally don't even think about it. 
and then they put it out and like you immediately get taken back to that moment Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah sophie tucker just put out the song called emergency that uh i saw them at a music festival in march had no idea who they were except for that best friend song so i i was kind of like we're gonna go see sophie tucker like (laughs) come on guys uh but they ended up slamming like they were sick i did not understand the the edm influence behind behind their music and they played that emergency song and it just came out yesterday and my buddy sent it to me and i was like totally forgot about this song dude but instantly had like a flashback to that moment that's awesome it's cool seeing how electronic music is kind of blending into the grander music scene nowadays too which is interesting and we were talking with our last guest half dead about this but how it's they they were saying that that's going to bump electric music to another layer of like publicity at that point because it's going to get into more of the pop culture whereas for so long it was kind of like this side culture and then even in the last decade it's just grown so much so it's interesting i'd love to even hear your to hear your opinion on that as well seeing how it's evolving through time it's it's crazy yeah i definitely think um i mean electronic music is is gonna be the future i think everyone's kind of known that just based on uh that i want to say ease but like the accessibility to it right um it's at a point now where anyone with a laptop can create good music you don't need to spend a a ton of money on gear um a lot of people that you see that are pretty big straight up just use like their laptop and headphones they don't even have a keyboard they're sitting there like clicking everything in um so i think that's one thing like a lot of mainstream production now is coming from edm like look at what skrillex is doing i feel like skrillex he put out that one ep but in the last five years most of his shit has been producing for other artists he's got that track with ty dollar sign um so i think that's definitely um it's a pretty cool aspect and it's something to think about because you see a lot of these guys kind of do their edm thing and then they go on to produce for other people um or even kind of going backwards from kind of how i started and they go into doing hip-hop beats you right. know get look at kenny beats right he was loud pack and then uh he's killing it now yeah so um i think another interesting aspect is is the live form of it mm-hmm. i think edm has influenced um concerts as a whole just based on um the production aspect of it right um I went to a Hootie and the Blowfish concert <laughs> last year and they had like a full-on <laughs> LED light wall in the background, like graphics going the whole time. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, well, it's a whole other component to add on to the whole experience of watching music because then you get a visual show on top of the things you're already experiencing in your body. It's crazy. Yeah, absolutely. You create, you create your own, uh, Devin was telling you create your own visuals as well for your sets, right? Yeah, I do. Uh, I'll pretty much all my own artwork um i do do all my own artwork I was, I was trying to think if i like had anyone help with any piece of it but for now yeah i've, I've done all my own artwork my manager has helped me out a little bit because uh when i started i had no clue how to use photoshop right um, as do so all of us you know you get in yeah. there it's crazy i'd send himself i'd be like can you delete the background on this <laughs> i don't know how to do that um but yeah, I straight up started out on my phone uh-huh. um, using a mixture of apps, uh, exporting the photo, bringing it into a different app. And I did the same thing with a lot of the videos. Um, 
but now I'm at the point where I'm trying to learn um, Adobe Premiere, Adobe After Effects, uh-huh. and um, yeah, doing all the live stream stuff, all the the flyers for the live streams, all the artwork. Um, Do you think that allows you to more authentically be connected with your own brand as an artist too at that point? Because you're the one actually creating all the promo content. So maybe your manager's not doing it like some artists would have it be where like the manager's like, we think this look fits you. And thanks to technology nowadays, you're creating T.O. how you want T.O. to be perceived. And you get to grow through that experience of becoming T.O. And you think that's been kind of a blessing for you in this journey that you're on? Yeah, absolutely. Um, For right now, it's really nice um, just because I do have complete control over the art, the music and everything. But I think at some point, um, I have limitations as a graphic designer. Mm-hmm. Um, so at some point I am going to want to move towards working with someone. But even in, in that regard, I've already thought about that is I want to find someone probably like on an equal footing as me mm-hmm. still starting out um, and kind of work with them and grow. And if you look at a lot of artists, that's how that's part of their brand at this point. Right. Ikali, um, for example, every single one of his, artworks and i i want to say even his his show visuals i think are made by the same guy um and if not they all have the same aesthetic um which i think is part of what goes into it but for now i'm i'm very happy to be doing it myself it it saves money um and it's kind of nice to to look at something like i did all all that yeah it's like this is not creative this is that. Yeah. yeah so what what is like in your opinion what when do you think is a good time to start like growing and building a team because you're talking about you know it's, you said it's kind of interesting how you came about getting a manager because it wasn't something you're necessarily looking into doing when do you think it's like a, a good time to start growing your team um i would say if you get to a point that you can't do it all yourself mm-hmm. um that wasn't my case um so I, I started off doing this in like middle school, just as a joke, um, hopping on GarageBand. And then in high school, I wanted to make dubstep. <laughs> so I got Cubase, dabbled in that for a little bit. And then um, pretty much throughout college, I was, I was thinking about wanting to do hip hop beats and um, produce for rappers. Mm-hmm. And uh, my buddy, who's he's a go-getter, um, real just tenacious kid he's he's always doing shit uh tj shout out tj uh he's my buddy in college and he ends up graduating getting a gig with uh 24-8 management um they have a ton of like dubstep heavy trap guys on there um hero bus is probably the biggest one yeah um so he hits me up he's like yo i got on um i can get you a meeting with dexter if you want to talk to him about hopping on the team and like I can manage you and at the time I was kind of I was just then thinking about transitioning to EDM I'd probably done like three remixes I did I had no originals um and we showed Dexter who's hero bus manager and the guy who runs 24 8 um the music I was making um and had probably like a 30 minute conversation with him he's like dude if you if you have the vision this is what you want to do like I heard your stuff it's good. Like you, you can definitely move forward with this. So, um, I got on with him. So for me, it was at the very beginning of the project. Mm-hmm. I had TJ who's, who's like one of my best friends 
helping me with it. So I think that relationship was kind of different. It was much more of like a planning. Um, what do we want to do this year? How many songs do we want to put out? Um, do we want to start working with trying to work with labels, do this? So I kind of worked with the manager from the ground up because mm-hmm. we're just now getting to the point where next year we want to start pitching music to labels. So that took us three years to even get to that point. Right. Um, but if you're just starting out, man, I mean, the 24 eight helped me out a ton on SoundCloud. They helped me figure out music distribution. Um, so they were really kind of there to, to help me grow in the beginning. Um, but that's all stuff most people should be able to figure out on their own. Um, but yeah, I'd say when you get to the point where you are shopping for labels, you want to start looking at getting on YouTube channels, um, kind of promoting your music more that's when it's good but um i'd say the relationship between the manager and the artist should definitely definitely come first um before any of that how important and what role does like having a good label play and are there any specific labels like you're looking at would eventually like to be on yeah um i think a label I mean, the obvious reasons for clout. <laughs> but, uh, you look at some of these labels, they've, they've got a really good following, right? So you can get a song out on them um, and it's going to push your music further than if you self-release. But at the same time, I, I feel like you need to have that already. You know, you need to be able to push your own music and you kind of can't rely on the label. I haven't gotten on a label yet, so take what I'm saying with a <laughs> But uh no, I think I think that's kind of every artist's goal, right? Is to get on get on a label. It really um I'm trying to think of the word. It's not justifies. Um no. I guess affirms themselves as, as an artist. Yeah. Um it's not like I made it, but it's like okay, like this is a real thing. Like I'm working with other people now they've got a team who approved my music and, and wanted to put it out. Um, for me, I'd say like top ones really love like foreign family Bitbird as like bigger guys. Um, smaller labels. I really love what uh, JD dollars doing and putting out. Um, yeah. So there's so many and like, we're, we're definitely looking to work with some smaller guys next year just to kind of figure that whole world out. It seems like there's like you're talking about, which is a fantastic point, is you get validated and then you get attention. Kind of validated, that's the word I was looking for. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but you get that from getting a label, but the same token, I think the struggle, which has been happening for as long as entertainment was a thing, is you don't want to sell your soul to the clout gods. Or maybe you do, if you can pull it off, but sometimes if you sell your soul completely to it, you can lose that spark that you loved about music, which sometimes seems to happen with DJs or musicians of all forms. Which is yeah. like the artist struggle in the capitalist system, but I'm not trying to say anything bad or good about that. I'm just saying that's kind of how it's structured. You got to make money off the music to an extent and other people want to manage and make money off of it. And then you want to keep who you are as an artist to miss all of that noise. But you also want that validation to be like, Hey, I actually create good shit that people met like, like, and then yeah. like, more people would connect it with more people. And I think it's super interesting too, because it's almost like part of the journey, right? Like you start off self-releasing, then you want to go to labels, but you look a lot, a lot of those guys and either they end up wanting to create their own label 
or getting to a point where they're self-releasing, they're taking a hundred percent of the proceeds from their music, you know? Um, so that's something even with the whole season two thing starting out, like we definitely have a vision of some point. I, I self-release all, all my music under the season two label or name. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it's not a label yet, but. That's a very dope idea though. It shows up as a label on my songs. Immediately <laughs> seeing that, I was like, that is yeah. a cool idea. Because then it, it creates a relationship again with your audience where it's like season one, two, three, and then they can look back at you season one when you know not a lot of people knew about you yet and then they'll look at you like season 10 and you have this bigger following. Yeah. The motivation to kids that are looking to get into music because then look at season one T.O. and they go like, holy crap, like he only had five people watching him on the set. Look at yeah. where it is later in the process. Absolutely. To clarify, it's going to be season two forever. I've had people message me all the time. They're like, yo, when are you going to move on to season three? And I'm like, uh, it's season, so season two is just kind of the name of the brand. It's confusing. And I feel like I've never had a, a chance to kind of explain it. Or yeah. people. It's funny that you said that though, because I felt him tense up for like a second. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what? The energy changed a little bit. And I was like, what did I say? No, I've got buddies who are like, oh, when's it going to be season three? Um, so there's never a season one. It started off on season two. That was kind of like a play on the TO, TO2. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, I don't remember how I came up with season two. It started off with the mixes, um, but it kind of became to me as like, I'm going to butcher putting this into words as well, but kind of like a sign of, uh perseverance i guess so you look at tv shows people get canceled at season one if you made it to season two you're kind of good to go um so to me it kind of relates back um to me is like music is something that i'm I'm always going to do regardless of success how big it gets um and i I mean for me that it's been growing the last couple years which has been which has been great um but I get asked all the time, like, oh, when are you going to stop this music stuff? When are you? And I'm like, ever? <laughs> it's part of who we are. Yeah, it's part yeah. of your identity. It's you as a person, what you want to express. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. so to me, that, that's kind of the meaning behind season two. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll probably make it to episode 100 one day. We'll, we'll be the longest running season of any. <laughs> that's what you want. <laughs> is, is that an idea that you, like, put a lot of stock in like do you want to grow that into eventually like your own like label and have people under season two is that the idea yeah yeah um yeah i definitely want to i mean again i'm releasing all my own music i i'm i'm not at a point i feel like where i can offer a whole lot other artists so once i can get it up to that point um that's kind of would be where i want to release other people under the season two name um so for now it's it's the mixes it's the live streams um i'm i'm thinking about starting to do guest mixes on the season two mixes because it's a it's a process to find 20 good songs every month (laughs) kind of fit that style that i want to bring in there um but there's definitely artists i've I've talked to already about bringing in and doing guest mixes so that'd be in the immediate future what I Plus collaboration, promotion, and developing your own skills all in one, which I think is yeah. awesome for you. That's yeah, awesome. absolutely. So what you're talking about, the, the finding that blend between kind of releasing emotion but telling a story, 
But how does that look for you when you're trying to blend both of those? And how far do you think, are you still refining that process quite a bit of trying to figure out how to blend those two? Because they're both so powerful, but it's difficult to do sometimes. And the people that are able to combine the, the feeling with the story are usually the most successful artists. But I'm really excited to see your perspective on it and what that looks like for you and what stories you want to tell. Specifically, if you could just jump into that pool with us, that'd be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so for me, I'm still at a stage now where I'm, I'm wanting to progress to start working um, with vocalists. Um, so everything I do now is either a sample I chop up um, or I just use outright. I play with like the formants on it, the pitch, whatnot. But um, I would say that the most successful one I've had to date on kind of blending the emotion with the story would be um, Promises, just because a, it was a sample from Splice that the chick had. They were all different ones, but they all fit together lyrically. Um, I think it was like three separate samples. So if you listen to that song, um, I can't exactly think of how the lyrics go, but it's the same lyrics on the first two verses. And then before the third drop, that kind of goes into a heavier trap drop. Um, it's the first time she says in the song, um, all these promises made were broken by you. And then it switches kind of the energy of the song. Um, so that was the first first time I kind of felt like I, I really nailed what I was going for. Um, but it's kind of um, it's happy accidents at this point, you know. Um, but I do put a lot of attention into the vocal samples I choose and kind of what the words are. Um, but doing that on, on, on Splice and through other sample websites, it's really hard to get a cohesive um, song out of it but that's something we're looking to do in the future um i definitely would like to be involved in the in the lyric writing process for these songs um but there's a lot of a lot of people who do that really well that i kind of look up to and and in tio's head with those happy accidents do you kind of hit them randomly when just sitting on the couch and you're like that was dope as shit or do you come off <laughs> like okay this is kind of a cool idea and then you come back to it later and keep grinding into it or do you just ride that high and try to get something done in one sitting or do you kind of space it out so it it depends i've got um like feel something i think came together in like two or three sittings um and it's actually funny because the song was totally different all the way up into the end really um, and that lead I have, that da -na -na -na, da -na -na -na, was, so it's the same melody that's in the first verse. And I literally had like chopped up saw waves, I think on the first drop. And I had, I think I had moved a MIDI file onto something else and it was a different sound. I was like, fuck, that is dope. Um, <laughs> but that, that one came together really quickly. And that's honestly some of, my better stuff um comes together in like two or three sittings so people are like how long does it usually take you I, it it depends man i've got um promises i think i was working on for like three months but i would say the core idea of songs comes out pretty quickly um it's usually within the first three hours of actually getting an idea i want to work with uh, that that progresses but the the whole process is really um making a lot of bad stuff until you get to the good stuff and i think that's kind of like one of the keys to becoming a good producer um i don't know how much my skill set 
has actually like i've definitely learned stuff new stuff in the last couple of years but it's more of like the taste and the knowledge to be like nah that doesn't work that's right. not good um so you almost get pickier with what you're making it's almost like the humility too where you'll see something you're not gonna like let your own ego tell you this is like the greatest thing ever you're gonna find that point where it's that, that still happens I've, uh, really? I've, woken up, <laughs> I've woken up the next day after like fleshing out an idea i thought was dope and i'm like what in the hell is this what was i thinking last night let's coming back and going through that whole process i guess of looking at it and then acknowledging that sometimes not all your creations are beautiful which i think is it's a it's a process of just being a creator or being human you know is just looking at something and being like i got really invested but on day four, looking at this, maybe it's not what I thought it was. But day one, I was in love. It's like having like a relationship, you know, with anything right. going on a first yeah. date. You, like, you ah. learn the song a little better and you're like, mm, yeah. I don't know. Or you're on a date with like a girl and you're like, man, you're like, this is going to be something good. And then like a week later, you're like, maybe not. Like, okay, yeah. let's not do this. And it's just kind of figuring it out, you know? Yeah, well, I can tell you this. If a producer puts something out, they must love it because they have listened to it probably 10,000 times by the time it makes it to Spotify or iTunes. So yeah, uh, that's fair. They kind of have to, too. I guess it's that rigor. So seeing like, is this a good move? Is this going to pay off? You know? Yeah. I got a, uh, I got buddies like, Oh, let me come over one day and, and watch you produce. And I'm like, you don't want to do that. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Mike, because I listen to the same thing on loop for like four hours and I'm making right. like small changes to it. Especially if you get it into mixing stuff, I'm like, putting the smallest like compressor like you're not gonna be able to tell what i'm doing you're gonna think yeah. i'm psychotic sitting there listening to the same thing for five hours <laughs> yeah this um, might be a good time to segue into something that you brought up you want to talk about is just kind of having that um balance in in producing i'm sure when you get into the zone of like mixing or doing something you gotta get so burnt out listening and doing the same thing over and over again when do you know when it's time to like say i need to break i need to go do something else i need to chill I would say, um, a either when I when I hit a wall, um, I mean you can be producing and not do anything tangible for an hour, and that's kind of when I'm like, all right, I need to stop. Or when I start fucking things up, because <laughs> there's definitely you can start just like mangling the song and ruining it, and in two hours you're like, this is way worse than what I started with. Um, I was actually reading a book though that was pretty much saying that you shouldn't do anything for more than 25 minutes at a time, um, which I thought was interesting. It was pretty much do it for 25 and then take a break just for five and come back to it um, just because you don't really get the gains. You're not as focused um, as you are in that 25 minutes. It's not something that I've been able to apply yet because when you get in the flow of producing or doing anything, you usually lose track of time yeah um and that's something i've uh just this last month i just set a goal of 30 minutes of music a day it's like i just need to sit down at the desk it doesn't matter if i get anything done yeah just 30 minutes and i found a lot of the times that 30 minutes turns into like three hours four yeah. hours well it's setting that that schedule where it's like no matter what i'm going to sit down and do it and then that consistency builds off of itself kind of incrementally i would guess yeah. it seems that's how most things usually go whether it be like weightlifting or music production it's like man, so i'm gonna pick this up today for 20 minutes and then you yeah they start liking it and then like in your case you flow into it lose track of time and it's like wow i just made this thing and i just spent three hours i gotta go to bed i work tomorrow yeah absolutely and that's honestly the best advice i've ever read um 
was just to put your butt in the seat. Even if you don't do anything, sit down at the desk, sit down in front of what it is you're wanting to do or get done. And nine times out of 10, you're going to open up Ableton and start working. Um, but it really is that, you know, it's a, it's a small choices of, am I going to lay down on the couch and watch Netflix right now? Or yep. am I going to go open up Ableton? Am I going to go watch tutorials? Am I going to practice an instrument? Like there's so many things you can do. Um, it is honestly one of my favorite, like I, I love p- producing. I love music. I love DJing. That is my passion. The, the thing I love most, but it's really an, an endless pursuit. Um, I don't think there will ever be an end or a time where you're like, I got it down. Like yeah. no more learning stuff. Um, and I don't it, think it'd still be, I'm not sure if it'd be the same if there was just an ultimate goal at the end where you said absolute mastery, you know? Right. Yeah. It's a chase. Yeah. And there's, there's music, there's, there's mixing, there's mastering, there's learning how to DJ. You can learn how to play an instrument. Um, and even like, I got a, I got a buddy Bards who uh, is always trying to tell me uh, to try the live, like an actual live set. And I'm like, that's like, you need that from the beginning of making your music. I'm like, I don't know if I'm set up for that now, but it's definitely something I'm thinking about because I think DJing gets you so far, especially with, with what people are doing now. Yeah. Um, a lot of the art, I mean, you even look at like Lewis, the child, even bringing in like a small element of, of putting a drum machine on, um, bring pads up with you, you know? That's it's something such a part, you know. Yeah, yeah. I'm not there yet, but the music I'm making now, I'm definitely kind of more. I'm thinking about that, and it, yeah. it's all part of the journey, right? The the first time I ever started thinking like, oh shit, I might have to play live. Like, my music completely changed then. Uh, my music changed after I played my first show, and now thinking about that, that's probably gonna have an influence on on the music going forward as well. Mm-hmm. Right. No, that makes a lot of sense. And it seems like you have to take unique things from this whole thing of music. You need to take different attributes from different areas to kind of create this ultimate message that you're trying to give off, which is going to be the mixture of the feeling and the story for you. But it's like, what do I need to take from to do what feels like I authentically want to express as an artist? And I think it really comes down to you too. Like, where do you want to be? And then you have to have those conversations with yourself. Like, and in our case too, with the podcast, like where do we actually want this to go? What's our next steps? What do we, what part of these processes do we really vibe with the most? And then what do we flow into? And doing that whole game, hence the process again, though it's it's half the fun, you know. Yeah, and I think that's um, a very interesting thing, especially when it comes to producers, is everyone's so focused on like I gotta find my sound. Yeah. Finding finding your sound is like. I mean, you, it's key, right? If you're making music that is emulating others, you're not going to get super far, right? Because there's already that person out there doing that. Um, so I think that is a key thing of kind of taking elements from your favorite music, the artists you like, the artists you look up to, and blending them in your own way versus being like, I want to make music like San Holo. It's like, okay, well, there's already a son holo and it'd be very hard to be better than him. <laughs> right. 
Well, it seems like the mimicry is part of the learning process. Would you think that's kind of accurate? Like you see someone you really idolize and you're like, okay, something like that, not exactly like that. I'm going to take some stuff from his rule book and then kind of see where I go after that. But then like you said, if it's exactly like him and people are like, well, he already did it and he did it better than you. So why am I going to listen to you? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think it all comes down to your influences and, and blending them and then kind of finding I mean, it's it's almost cynical to say, but finding your own unique sound is almost impossible with the amount of, it's the same thing as like, you can't come up with a unique chord progression. Like literally every single chord progression has been used. Now, can you put it in a new rhythm? You know what I mean? Like there's other things you can do with it, but I think that's kind of what I take away from it is a lot of people, I'm going to find a new sound. It's like, there's there's not really a new sound. It's a blend of other sounds put together. Maybe you do something different, like speed it up, slow it down, kind of put your own spin on it. Um, But I think if you come at it from the aspect of of blending your influences, um, it's kind of like a more cohesive, concrete way than like, I'm going to create a new sound. Like, Unless you're, and there's people who have done it, so it's a little cynical to say, but Skrillex came up with that purple Lamborghini sound. (laughs) Have you gotten to a point where um, it's like an internal struggle where you kind of try and like change what's coming out, what you're creating to make it sound more like what at this time you think your sound is as as opposed to like what initially comes out. You're like, oh wait, but I want to kind of keep it a little bit more on brand and like um yes and no i wouldn't say specifically like that i would say that there's points in time where i'm almost at like a certain skill set or i always say this is the period where you're leveling up of where like everything you make you don't like i mean it's it's still coming out of you it's your creative process it's your art but you don't like it and i think that's kind of a level of like i want to be here but everything i'm making is here and you you kind of build up to where you want to be i don't know if that's kind of like yeah on par with what you're saying um but as far as like keeping it on brand i'd say nothing's been like super forced um i've definitely been since the beginning of the journey of moving into electronic music um kind of finding how to fit in there um and making my music more dancey i guess um because even looking back to some of my early stuff especially the stuff um like how did we get here i'm like it's a cool song but i kind of want to make it more appropriate for live settings i guess um so I love going to clubs. I love going to shows. Um, so I'd kind of, at this point, I'm kind of leaning towards making my music more in that world um, while still keeping the elements that I've been using. Right. Makes sense. Which isn't as much staying, getting, giving up parts of your brand. It's more just making your brand fit certain environments better. You know, it's like this yeah. is going to evolve to fit this space, level up, like you said, to fit a new environment, but it's not necessarily like I'm selling it to, it's, it's not selling its personality to fit a new vibe. It's just it, just slightly refined in a new area, which is different. Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're going that far to switch up your vibe to try to fit a certain thing, like I feel like people are going to know, right? 
mm-hmm. it's all about being authentic um, and true to yourself and what you want to make. Um, but again, it's part of the overall vision, right? Of where do you want to be? Do you want to be playing festivals? Do you want to be playing clubs? Like, what do you want to get out of this? Yeah. It's like, what are your goals exclusively, individually? Yeah. Absolutely. Makes a lot of sense. Speaking of goals, what, um, what are kind of your, obviously we've talked a little bit about wanting to get on a label here, uh, upcoming year, if, if it fits you, but what would yeah. you consider some of your other like life goals, music goals in the next like, couple of years, upcoming years? I want to crush the Sahara tent at Coachella one day. <laughs> um, that is a, that is a, uh, a long-term goal. Um, the short term really focused on, um, building a real fan base, um, and putting out music consistently next year. Um, it's something I'm talking to my manager about now and we're already working on. We've kind of, I did not, uh, meet the goals we had for this year, unfortunately. Um, so we're kind of moving on to next year and without shows and everything, it kind of, kind of worked out because that's one of my main goals is to start getting more shows and, and bookings and whatnot. Um, so right now we're focused on, on making the music that we're going to put out next year. We're, we're shooting for a release every month. So how does it look for you looking for shows now that it's all virtual? So does he try to get you to certain places that are like prospected to have a lot of views and then he's like, Hey, make this set and put it on this platform. Or is it you more just kind of grinding in your process, archiving a lot of work, and then you're going to release a lot of it once this is all kind of died down the whole COVID quarantine. Are we, are we talking about for the live streams or like original music? Um, let's do live streams first, then I guess original as well. But live streams, how are you getting attention right now with everything going on and how do you get your name out with, uh, with quarantine going on? Yeah, we try to use um, Reddit. I post on like the electronic live streams page, post on all my socials. Um, I've got a group chat with like 30 of my buddies, try to get them in there, try to get them as I tell them every time, like, yo, if you got buddies who are into this stuff, like hit them up. If you know anyone bored on a Friday night, like yeah, let them know this is the place to be. Um, we honestly didn't put a lot of thought into the live streams as far as how that's going to affect the future. I, I hope it helps out. Um, aside from the season two session stuff, in the beginning of quarantine when there was a lot of uh, electronic live stream festivals, I got on, I want to say there's like three or four of them. Um, and that was cool. Cause one of them was a promoter based out of Toronto. Very cool. Um, another one was a, a guy named Skelism. Mm-hmm. So here's the thing I, I'm kind of dealing with is they, my, my manager um, is pretty much dubstep guys. Um, so he'll come to me. He'd be like, yo, they, they said you can get on this live stream festival. And I'm looking at the lineup. I'm like, I'm a little out of place here. Um, and it was something I struggled with for a minute. I was like, this kind of goes back to what we were talking earlier is I kind of had to think to myself, how much do I have to compromise to do these sets as far as like, what's the point of doing it if I'm going to go in and play like super heavy music the whole time? which isn't really like what I'm wanting to do. Like, I don't, I don't want to gain attention for this people. Dude, that set was sick. I come do this. And then it, it's kind of a slippery road to go down. Right. Um, so I talked to him about it 
we did all of them and um again it was kind of finding the level of compromise where i'm not compromising um my my brand and the music i i really want to be pushing forward um so i kind of i leaned a little bit to the harder harder realm i found a lot of like good remixes like flume songs mm-hmm. or other stuff um that was in my lane that i still liked i still vibed with there was nothing i was like i fucking hate this song but i have to play it um and the response from all of them i was honestly shocked just about every time i was nervous i was gonna go in there and people were gonna be like fuck this is pussy shit bring back the dubstep but people in the comments were usually like dude i'm, I'm feeling this like shit you're making me emotional right now and I was like, <laughs> all right so that was a really a really cool experience but we'll see what what comes from that again um good for you though man i'm happy that that worked out because that's i'm happy you were able to figure out that balance at least once and see like okay i can kind of work this type of room and then that's that exploration stage without compromising myself too much but that yeah. must be extremely nerve-wracking though stepping in there initially we were like oh shit like is this gonna are they gonna like this am i gonna get shit on i really don't want to get shit on that's what i was thinking there was one um so i forget what it is skeletons he's like a dubstep guy too but they were doing um dj sets and then in between talking about the dj sets and i was like I'm about to get roasted now. I think there's like 300 people in there. Um, but the guy fucking like loved it. Um, and I think it almost gave me an upper leg because people were sitting there listening to dubstep for hours. And then it's like, okay, here's a guy with a 30 minute set of something refreshing. Yeah. Um, still goes hard. Like I love trap music. I'm not, not huge on dubstep anymore, but I definitely, uh, I understand it. And if I, you see me at a dubstep show i'll, I'll definitely be headbanging <laughs> right well it's kind of it seems like that for you was one of those moments where being different paid off so it's like you but it's always there's always a risk if you're gonna not be the status quo of that situation or the norm and there's a lot of benefits to following what's normal for that setting and then sometimes there's some benefits for trying to differentiate a little bit which in that case it paid off as you just said so yeah cool. absolutely and it, because it speaks to just like stay as true to yourself as possible definitely work outside your comfort zone because to me that's what it was was i I was initially like why would i do a dub a dubstep festival like i don't make dubstep and essentially my manager is just like dude it's 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 publicity publicity. yeah it's you getting your name out there either way i was like all right um and one of them was like the best live stream i had done all in situations like those too, if even ten people walked away from that, they're like, "I really want to see what this guy's about and where he's going," and I actually liked the sound he was getting at, and I want to hear more of it. Then it just feeds in to what you're aiming for, you know. And even if it's a couple more people, yeah, you're you're chipping away slowly, right? Yep. Um, and that sometimes all it takes is you get that one person who goes on and tells two more people. Right. Well, it seems like there's this exponential growth after a certain point too, where it's with artists or around, I guess you go to different levels, but it's chipping, 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 and then it'll just be like, boom, and it skyrockets, and then you kind of level out. And yeah. some people have numerous of those, so they have one huge hit, and they just climb to like the top of the hierarchy right off the bat. It's, it's awesome. It's a game. It's definitely like an arcade game. It, it, yeah. it is a game that's uh, it's tricky to figure out, I'll tell you that, especially like when you get into the Spotify, iTunes world of things. That's like, like I'm chilling on SoundCloud. Like, I love SoundCloud because I can post a mix there and get, get a thousand listens. But uh, 
Spotify's is a very different um, different beast. To well, apparently, that's just an interesting thing with San Holo too, because he's sort of moving away from that, isn't he? But it's it's interesting to see how Spotify is trying to treat artists right now. Because what's happening, I don't know a lot about this, but people that are trying to up and come and make a name for themselves don't get a lot out of Spotify. But you're you're like the top two percent you get a lot of the money out of it and yeah. the money gets distributed as it's not like even necessarily it just goes to whoever gets the most views so then there's not as much incentive to my understanding for new artists to come on there but then it becomes like well can I get publicity on there and you just start looking well maybe I can just do do my own thing market myself with media with how it is now and just kind of have my own website or my own page or my own type of ways of getting music out and I don't have to focus on Spotify to monetize eventually so yeah it's interesting it's um for us right now spotify is really gonna be the focus next year um for a couple reasons one because um they show all the all the data so if, if you're trying to get booked i think i think spotify is um one of the main places that they're gonna look they're gonna look at your socials um they're gonna look at your spotify account maybe soundcloud i mean there's people are saying soundcloud's dead but I don't, I don't buy that. <laughs> um, I find all the music for my mixes on SoundCloud. So it's definitely where the underground's still at. But um, yeah, I think on that aspect, and that's something where we on the last release had a lot of focus on like the numbers of it, which looking back now was kind of a mistake. Like you do want to bolster up that number, but to do it on an individual release and be like, oh, look at us. We have 20,000 monthly listeners because you got into a playlist. Um, the second that ends and you drop back down to something like what was that really worth? Like, did it make you feel good for that month? It'd be like, I got 20,000, but what did you get out of that? Did, did you actually get fans? Did you get people who want to listen to your music? Um, so that's kind of what we've learned this year. Um, and we're probably going to come with a different approach next year for, for releases. Cause we, we played the playlist game. For the last two <laughs> right that makes a lot of sense. i didn't know that with the that you use spotify like listening rates to try to get you into certain shows i didn't know that that's interesting but then because yeah. you're saying about how if you're playing the playlist game you're getting spikes though it, it's interesting to see if your numbers go back down because then how accurately are those numbers actually expressing your viewers which is what you tap yeah. so it's like you can have that spike but then how many people actually listen to you and then it's just that's where the data doesn't necessarily express where you're at as an artist yeah because i mean a lot of a lot of the smaller guys are paying to get into these spotify playlists and i mean you have to get accepted so it's not like and you're not paying for fake listens like it is a, a form of promotion mm -hmm. but just think about your listening habits right if you're going to go into a playlist are you looking at the song names the whole time right you're not choosing the songs so yeah you're going to get a play you're going to get a listener but are you gaining a a fan out of that do people know who you are do people know who made that song um so yeah to it's probably something we're still gonna look at but in combination with um we're thinking like facebook ads and trying to trying to play more of um getting your music on youtube channels um i hate to say it maybe tiktoks <laughs> <laughs> instagram reels yeah right yeah yeah so um 
again, that's a whole other side of it to, to pay attention to is the marketing promotion aspect of it. Um, okay. and that's where it's been good to have a manager to bounce ideas off of and kind of talk to, talk to someone about all that stuff. No, it makes a lot of sense. I, I was thinking with TikTok too, at least I haven't seen any real DJs utilize it too much to express their music per se, but I think they show more of their personality. And I mean, you've looked at more TikToks than me, but it's uh, <laughs> ouch. <laughs> How dare I? <laughs> Our other roommate is he's not, he's his roommate, but he watches a lot of TikToks. But I haven't seen like a DJ actually express a song on it. I think it's more like getting to know the person and yeah. it's it, it makes people feel like they know the artist better, which is, I guess, the benefit on that medium. But it's yeah. kind of hard to get the hit of a song and all the feelings and stories and greatness of it out in a short little clip designed for quick engagement. But I don't well, know, maybe someone will pull it off. It could be you, Tio. It could be you. <laughs> what you got to do is get someone to make a TikTok, TikTok, TikTok dance uh, trend. Um, Son Holo did that with Lost lately. Really? Um, yeah. He, really? I don't know if he created the dance or had someone else create the dance, but. Uh, I think he, he went pretty viral with that. Um, so that's, not, I mean, TikTok yeah. for me is like a, I don't think I'm going to make a TikTok dance song. I definitely, uh, <laughs> it's not your goal, man. Come on. My music usually comes out a little bit on the darker side. Um, hey, there's some angsty 15 year olds on that media. Better. Yeah. I don't know. I'd love to see a TikTok to feel something. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be like the, uh, the memes where they're like happy and then it goes dark and they're like crying and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or something. <laughs> that's, uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, um, is there anything you wanted to specifically talk about? Um, yeah, I wanted to just something that I've kind of figured out. Um, the last couple months and if there's any producers listening to this um especially those struggling um with working a full-time job trying to make music and also maintaining relationships in your life um definitely seems nearly impossible at first um but i just kind of want to talk about how focusing on yourself first before you even worry about any of those things um I feel like will provide you the greatest return on whatever it is you're trying to do. Um, it's something I've, I've struggled with. Like I definitely don't make as much music as I want to be making. I don't put out as much stuff as I want to be. Um, pretty consistent with the mixes um, and all that. But um, yeah, taking care of yourself, make sure you're, you're sleeping, eating right, um, taking vitamins, exercising, like, in the last couple of months, I've gotten to a point where I've, I did like five demos last month, which I've never done that much in my life. Um, part of it was because I wasn't drinking that month. <laughs> um, I did a sober August. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, if you, if you take care of yourself, I mean, wake up early, exercise, do all that, um, and kind of find what, what works for you and your lifestyle. Um, you'll find you're, you're a lot more motivated um, and you have the energy when you're done working um, to sit down and, and make music. Which I think comes out healthier at that point. You know? And people kind of do it the opposite way, right? They don't think they're like, I have all these things I need to do 
but I don't have the time to do it. It's like literally like my, my mornings, I take like two hours between waking up and going to work because I'm exercising. I meditate in the morning. I make my smoothie, which takes like 15 minutes, all the shit I put in it. Um, <laughs> making coffee. Like I literally just relax, slowly go through my stuff. Um, but it, it gives me the energy at the end of the day to actually sit down and do music. And I feel like I've been much more intentional, intention, uh, intentional. <laughs> can't talk today. Um, <laughs> about how, how I go through my days. Um, it's, it's made a world of difference. That's awesome. I'm happy for you, dude. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. How long have you been meditating for? Um, I, so like every day of probably the last three months now, um, I've dabbled in it on and off probably for the last like two years. Um, there's in the beginning, I didn't really think I was getting anything out of it. Um, it's kind of like, this is a waste of time. I'm spending 10 minutes in my morning, just fucking sitting right. here. <laughs> and it's like um, brain going too. It's like, I gotta do this. I gotta do that. I gotta do this. And I'm sitting here doing nothing. What's going on. Did you ever have that happen? Or yeah. You- and I still, I still have that. And I think kind of one of the keys behind being successful at it is to take away the thought that you're supposed to sit there in silence and it's maybe supposed to make you feel calmer after because a lot of the times that's not the case. Um, but I kind of find it as a way to organize, organize my mind in the beginning of the day. Like if I sit there for 15 minutes with my eyes shut, like shit's going to come into my head. Like I need to go to the grocery store today. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad I realized that now. Um, and it just kind of creates a buffer for me between my, my whole day. I, uh, you know what I mean? Like it, it separates my morning. I sit and pause, take, I, I, I was doing 20 minutes for a while. Right. Um, yeah, 20 minutes is hard. I mean, when you, you're starting, I, I went from, I went five, 10, 15 to 20. Um, and each time I kind of leveled up, I, I felt like the time was too short. I'm like that 10 minutes went by way too fast. Yeah. I need to do 15. Um, when you kind of get into that state, it starts, I, I've meditated for a while, but it kind of, starts to go you lose track of time it's almost like that flow yeah. thing and if you can really get locked in it's like oh it's been 10 minutes and you don't notice it as much but yeah absolutely and it's it's helpful. honestly it's different every day um i've had some days where it's been like a crazy experience where like i thought my like, oh my god <laughs> what's happening straight up like you're on drugs sometimes like, yeah. i thought my body was like super long and my head was like all the way up at the ceiling <laughs> and i was just sitting there with my eyes closed and literally i was like this is nuts like yeah, that's pretty <laughs> uh, your body just feels like it changes and morphs sometimes and that's not every time like it's if you get locked in and you can really like clear your mind but most of the time i'm thinking about a ton of shit but then you bring yourself back to like okay think about your breath it's nice to have that time to set your intentions for the day, which is what you were kind of getting at. But it's just nice to give some structure, but also give yourself that time to get away from everything for a couple minutes and just hit the pause button. As much as yeah. it's like we have 30 things we got to do today and you're trying to press the pause button. Why would you do that? <laughs> right. It matters. And it's like, I'm not trying to be stressed out right now. Stop. <laughs> yeah. It definitely creates a buffer between like what you have to do that day and just like, you can literally think about it. And then usually the rest of the day, it's kind of like, okay, I, I already dealt with that in my head. We can move forward now. But also it's just a great life 
a tool, I think, to kind of separate you from your thoughts and it'll make you realize like you are not your thoughts. Like there is something else behind that. You know what I mean? That can that's the fundamental thing, in my opinion. Yeah. It's awesome you, you acknowledge that too, because that's the fundamental thing, I think, is just acknowledging that you're not your thoughts and being like, yeah. okay, when I'm stressed out, that's not entirely me. That's just, I can observe it, but I'm not consumed by it. When you're stressed out, and I, from an artist standpoint, I think anyone who's creating something can relate. Um, there's so many emotions, a lot negative, that go behind trying to create something. Um, there's the imposter syndrome of what am I doing? Like, I'm not good at this. I shouldn't be doing this. Who am I to, to put music out? Um, to other people, you're like, fuck, I suck. I'm never gonna make it. I look at these guys, you know? Um, and then there's also days where you're on top of the world and you're like, damn, what I made last night. Um, it's the waves. And I think meditations kind of helped me be like, okay, you're, it's just a negative thought. You're having a bad day. Like tomorrow can be a great day, you know? Right. I think it doesn't help you acknowledge that you're not your creations either. Cause I had a lot of issues with that, with creative work, but I would get, I would get so attached to it because I, I write a lot, but I get attached yeah. to it. I'd be like, this is me. But then, then you just get, it becomes toxic at that point as opposed to saying, Hey, this is something that came out of me and my awareness, but it's not necessarily me. It's like, it's out here somewhere. I think that comes in waves. Um, when you're in the creative process, I think it's much easier to latch on, especially like if you're creating a project, right? Like I'm right now I'm in the process of making a ton of music, but I'm, I want to do like an EP next year and kind of what we were talking about, three cohesive songs that kind of fit together. But like already thinking about going into that process to me, like that's kind of something you really want to immerse yourself in and mm -hmm. feel like that is you, but also being able to detach from that at points. Um, yeah, to me, that's part of the process is when you're creating something, you're definitely like all in with it. Um, but then once it's time to release, it's almost like it's not yours anymore. Right. You're, you're giving it out um, for other people to enjoy. Right. What's well, so the process of creating anything is so intimate in my opinion. And then once, once it comes out though, it's like, it's it's kind of that old dilemma where everyone's going to judge it once it's out in the world and your kids out in the world but it's like the same token you're detached from it at that point so that way every jab or every praise you get from it doesn't send you on a spiral up and down you know which takes yeah. discipline and i guess mindfulness to do that but if you can i think it makes your life much much less stressful because you're yeah. like yeah i made that it's like okay some parts of it weren't perfect or some parts were really dope it's like you don't like it that's okay you like that's it? no like yeah that's something with any art too, right? The the thought of making it perfect, yeah, is to me you don't want stuff perfect. If it's perfect, it's probably a little boring. I well, you know. acknowledged that when you were talking about your whole process too of creating. You said you it's kind of a lot of mistakes until you kind of figure out something you kind of jive with, and then I, that was really interesting because then that shows that you're maybe not so much looking for the perfectionism you're, you're striving toward it but it's okay with you if it never actually is perfect it's just like you're going through that those iterations but it's that process of watching it grow and morph and change which is so powerful for you which is awesome yeah absolutely and there's two things on that one if you never exported a song it would never be done like 
Yeah. You would sit there tweaking something. You would come. I mean, I have songs now where I'm like, oh, I wish I did that on it. But once it's out, <laughs> you kind of can let go of that feeling of like, okay, I can I can put this one away. Um, and second, something a concept that I learned that is uh, really interesting. I love kind of relating it back to music is um, wabi sabi. Hmm. I think it's just wabi sabi. And I want to say this is a Japanese idea, and they do it with um like plates and bowls so if a plate or bowl is cracked they fill it in with gold what's up (laughs) isn't it i think it's It's something called wabi sabi maybe it's a different culture then okay i'll have to google it um what did you say it's kintsuchi yeah, pretty sure. Okay. Japan, maybe it's different depending on the culture. But. Maybe it's China. Okay, so Kintsuchi. There's something Wabi Sabi because I've got a whole book. Um, Wabi Sabi sounds. Yeah, I'll start saying Wabi Sabi. <laughs> um, but yeah, and just taking that, I think relating that back to any art form, I think is a, a valuable thing. Yeah, it's like some of the questions. Like like is this Kintsuchi? Yeah, okay. We'll put like gold and broken plates. Kintsugi. Doesn't, uh, do you guys listen to Drew Lou? Yeah. Yeah. Do they have a song called Kintsugi? Maybe not. I haven't heard anything. It's fitting. Yeah. Yeah. You got to look up Wabi Sabi now. (laughs) I know if I'm wrong or not. I'm going to look like an idiot. Wabi Sabi sounds like a dope, like sushi restaurant. Uh, and wabi sabi for happy hour. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> some wabi sabi bombs, bro. Let's see, wabi sabi. Yeah, so I think it's the. Yep. Okay, so it's the same thing. It is. It's a different. It's the same concept, but I think yours is actually wabi sabi is like the whole idea, and then Fuji okay. is just like an expression of the idea. So it's like the actual art of filling in. Okay. Yeah. So it's like imperfections and acceptance is Wabi Sabi. Probably it was okay. why there's a whole book on it that you were reading, which makes okay. sense. It's a really big concept. And then Kintsugi is like the form of Wabi Sabi as far as that I makes think. sense. Okay. Which makes a lot more sense. Yeah. But I just, I thought that was cool. And yeah. Anytime you can take a different concept from a book or something and relate it back to music or, or use that as inspiration. I think that's always pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's like growth attached to it. It's fantastic. Yeah. The beauty and imperfection, you know, Son talks about that a lot. And, you know, why he likes to use analog and certain guitar clips that aren't necessarily perfect, just because, like, it's that, it gives it that little bit of extra character. Yeah. I've taken a lot from that. And um, just artists I look up to, like, and there's so many ways to apply that to music, right? If you have an LFO on a sound, instead of lining it up with the grid, take the LFO, move it a little bit, um, putting just like pitch modulation on stuff. Like one of my favorite synths ever is uh, Rufus Dussault Inner Bloom. And that synth is just like it's not, if it was a straight line, that would have been t- totally different song, right? But the fact right. that it's kind of, I think that's a a good way to kind of put emotion into your song. So a lot of the times I'll I'll kind of use those ideas um, and apply it to my own music. Yeah. You um you mentioned you did like a sober August. Is that a is that a personal choice? Is that something you do with other people? Or? Um, yeah, it's a personal choice. I did it by myself. Um, 
I was honestly, I, I've never had like a, a problem. I wouldn't say a problem with alcohol. Um, but I did see it as something kind of holding me back as far as you work Monday through Friday. And then if you get drunk Friday night and you're hungover on Saturday, um, you're not going to be super productive. Um, so I decided to, yeah, take the month off. I did, uh, I didn't do much cause no one's doing anything right now because of COVID, but, um, yeah, no drinking. I, I drink a lot of non-alcoholic beers because I, I am a beer lover. No yeah. <laughs> um, duels? Uh, uh, no duels. So there's a, a brewery called Athletic Brewing that actually makes um, like craft non-alcoholic. So I was living the good life. I was, drinking, I was drinking IPAs. Right on. Ales. Yeah, duels is kind of shit. That's why I remember. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of new uh new beers coming out. Heineken's got that Heineken Zero that tastes exactly like Heineken. Really? Interesting. Yeah. yeah you're so tapping into all the beer news because you're you work the brewery, so you know. Yeah. Yeah, I work for a beer distributor. For those who don't know, um, so I, I am a beer lover. I do know a lot about it. Um, so that was one of the things I'm like, I don't know if I'd ever go like completely sober. Yeah. It did make me realize, like, A, I don't really like getting drunk that much. It's definitely more of, like, a social yep. thing yep. for me. I go, my buddies want to go get beer. I'm like, okay. Um, so, if anything, it really helped me reexamine my relationship with alcohol and kind of the role I thought it used to play in my life of social things. I, I ended up going to um, a buddy's wedding party uh it was like the 26 i had the internal dilemma of like should i just say screw it i'm like i'm almost there i almost did a month and i was like no this is going to be the biggest test for me to see if i can do this so i crushed na beers and i realized like my habits of talking to people and just like the hand to mouth movement and how i felt like i always needed to have a drink in my hand and all this Um, so that was really good. I'd, I'd suggest it for anyone, even if you're chilling with alcohol, with any substance, honestly, to take yeah. a step back, um, re-examine your relationship. I felt awesome. Um, I get hung over now if I have like two or three beers. So <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Do you feel like what you enjoyed about getting drunk in the past was just the freedom to be able to let loose completely and just like get rid of your responsibilities because for at least for Devin and I were talking about this before we spoke to you on Thursday that was kind of what our consensus was it was just that feeling like I have nothing I have to do and I'm just gonna let loose but then now we're talking about we get like two beers in and it's like all right we're good it was just like and then we're done but it's just that feeling from like college where it's like screw it I'm done with classes no tests I'm just gonna get hammered and then you just like I'm then your whole and to be completely honest when I was in college, like when I got to Saturday, it was just the same thing I did on Friday. And then I was just had a super hungover on Sunday and I just slept that whole day away. But I can't do that and I probably shouldn't do that anymore, which I don't because I have more important things to do that I care about. But that's where yeah. the habits come in, you know? Yeah, and I think it's priorities, right? Just yeah. to that point, like if I didn't have anything else going on, if I wasn't trying to do music, like I would have no problem going out on a Friday and staying up till two and sleeping till noon the next day um so yeah I I think I mean that's part of growing up too right like I did the same thing in college um and I look back on it now and regret it because I'm like that was so much time wasted um granted I I have some of my lifelong friends 
I met in college. Um, but yeah, it's, it was just time wasted. I, I'm not going to say I regret it, but if I could go back and do things differently, um, I probably would. And uh, I think something interesting, just talking about like using alcohol to your point, let loose, um, DJing. I uh, definitely do. I'd still do it. Um, kind of use alcohol to, to calm my nerves. Um, yeah. I get, I wouldn't say it, it, it's weird. So I, before shows, like I've, so I've done two shows as like TO big shows and then I've DJed at a club. Um, probably I did it like every other weekend for two months. So I'd probably say like five or six times. Um, and I get nervous like the week beforehand. Um, and I don't know if I can attribute to the alcohol or attribute it to the fact that like once I'm at the club and I'm like, okay, this is happening. I kind of have a level of acceptance, but, uh, I've always felt like I needed to drink a little bit to, to kind of calm those nerves and build that confidence to get up there and, uh, do my thing, which yes, maybe it helps you at the time but if you're ever looking this is what i think about like if i'm looking to be a touring artist like is that a sustainable way to cope with that and do that every single night um, yeah it's almost at the macro level too it's like what's your relationship with the alcohol so if it's one or two beers or however many you have for you dj and it just helps you kind of settle in three so. three three is my number of happen in uh like i guess maybe some artists when they start going on tours three turns into like eight and then it just becomes yeah. normal and then that's where it starts becoming a problem because you lose track of it but the interesting thing about alcohol is it is really good at all the things you just said calming your nerves and just loosening your inhibitions it's fantastic at that it's just maybe it's not the best thing to use in excess all the time but it is great maybe if it only is once a week and that that works for you and then it helps you settle in you could say you're using that as a tool for what it's designed to be used for, which is to connect with people and let loose, but you don't want that relationship to become toxic. And that's where you got to watch out. Yeah. You could drink too much water and die. (laughs) And I don't see myself ever going like completely sober, but um, when shows come back, I'm definitely going to try to not drink before, but then there comes the point too, where after you want to celebrate. Yeah. uh, (laughs) it's uh, all interesting that's come ties into the clout too like we were talking about earlier like that there's things that come along with the clout that taste great but maybe aren't great for you you know and what i mean that is awesome parties and around lots of people and you're at these high status places and then pride comes before the fall i guess you could say and then you're like wow life's great and then you look at what you've been doing it's like i feel horrible um i can't create like i used to I'm yeah. drinking all this and I feel like crap. I'm low energy. My priorities aren't straight. And that's just that, that really thin line you got to walk to try to figure it out. But that's kind of where the fun is too, though, is that tension. And it's yeah. like, this matters to me. God damn it. I'm gonna make it. <laughs> then you kind of walk that line. Yeah. I think there's so many people too that you can look at and learn from their stories. I mean, um, Flume, I don't, I think there is like one podcast he did. Um, I want to say it's his girlfriend too. Um, but he did a podcast where he talked about that. I believe he had an issue with alcohol and it was because he would get so nervous before shows, um, that he would drink. And now he's at a point where he doesn't drink anymore, or at least not before shows. I'd have to re-listen to it. So sorry, Flume, if you're listening to this, (laughs) but, uh, 
I think it's important to kind of look at struggles other people have had. And if you can learn from them, you're probably going to be able to save yourself some trouble. Right. On the flip side of that, it's also important to, to learn yourself from your own mistakes. Sure. Um, but, but I think that lies somewhere in the middle between the two of looking at other people and their relationships with touring and drinking and, and that whole thing. So it's definitely, I mean, brought a lot of people down, especially that we've seen recently. So yeah, absolutely. I think there's a lot of power too in seeing that Flume did that and then not judging him necessarily for it, but just seeing it and being like, well, why did that happen to you? What happened and what, what was the reasons for that? How did yeah. you boxed in that little loophole? And then how can we learn from what you did and then not have it happen to ourselves, which is a whole nother step and hard to do. Yeah. But the first step is acceptance, wabi-sabi, and then kind of looking yeah. at it and being like, this is what it is. And that happened to him. Why did that happen? I don't want it to happen to me. Why don't I want it to happen to me? And you kind of create yeah. narrative. If, uh, when you guys get Flume on the pod, you're going to ask him if he yeah. replaced if he replaced drinking with smashing computers on stage with yeah, sure. camera to, uh, that was his new stress reliever was I'm just going to smash the shit out of a computer. That was so fun. <laughs> Dude, watching that, what was it? Lollapalooza? Is that when they live streamed it? And the, the comment section was just like, what the fuck is going, going on? on? Yeah. What the fuck is he doing? Yeah, it was a whole like live performance like he was just like creating destruction and that was part of his set. It was just- he had power tools up there, right? He had like a power saw. Um he smashed the computers. He didn't he have some paint. Fantastic. Yeah, he's fantastic. throwing paints around, which what was that piece of equipment he had? It was super dope. I had no idea what the hell it is. He was like playing like with his finger and it changed the pitch and tune. Uh so I think what you're referring to was uh it's called a rolly block uh-huh. was it the squares that were connected and they were lighting up and he would like yeah. run his finger and the light would trail along his finger yeah so it's called a rolly block um really cool company um that's makes like very expressive instruments um they have a whole keyboard that's like foam so when you're playing it you can like move your hand up and down and like you don't even lift your fingers off of it. You like slide around. Nice. So that's what he was using is a bunch of rolly blocks uh, connected to each other. I feel like a nerd for immediately knowing what you were talking about. That's awesome. Um, but when you're talking about like habits that you've seen, maybe people that you are trying to like emulate and aspire to uh, make a sense of alcohol is a big one that you've kind of seen play out like that you know we've seen that story before what are what are some other habits do you think form with artists as they um grow in their in their journey that you're kind of trying to like check yourself with uh buying too many synthesizers (laughs) 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 um i don't know i mean there's there's all the cliche ones of like artists talk about comparing comparing themselves and kind of the inner drama of being an artist um but as far as habits i'd i would say everyone's kind of got to find what works for them right um there's definitely things in the creative process i've I've learned from other people um to kind of streamline but when it comes to lifestyle i don't i don't think any two people are, are the same um and it'll forever change right like if i knock on wood when i get to the point where i can quit my job um 
that'll totally be a whole nother level of of self-discipline to learn um because right now i think it's almost like a positive right i only have so much time to get what i want to do done um but in the future like you have all day am i going to play more video games am i actually going to use that extra eight hours to make music like i don't i don't know what that looks like so i think habits are are very personal um something you got to figure out for yourself yeah it's like what sacrifices do you want to make in alignment with your goals you know and just understand you're always kind of gonna have to make choices you'll yeah. always have to make choices that guy but you will actually always yeah. have to make choices there's a lot of responsibility it is but that's something i feel like i've been blessed with through covid is it kind of took um the social life aspect completely out of the equation right. um i no longer had that choice <laughs> <laughs> so I, I got to put a lot of focus um on music and, and kind of working towards my goals. I saw something interesting the other day, and it's kind of one of those like harsh truth things, but it was along the lines of if you didn't do what you said you didn't have time for during quarantine, yeah. then it's not like it's not a discipline thing. It's, <laughs> it's, it's yeah. a truth thing, you know? Absolutely. If you, yeah. if you think you yeah. don't have time, you probably don't have time because you think you don't have time. That's where I got caught up initially because I was like, so I'd, I'd buddies, quarantine happened. They're like, dude, you got to do live streams. And I was like, I'll look into it. So if you go on my Instagram and look at how the live streams started out and to where they're at now, like put a lot of time and effort into getting them to that point, just with the whole lighting setup, the visuals. Um, but I was, I was, yeah, they're very, they're awesome. Yeah, I was yeah. looking out because I like doing visuals a lot and doing that type of stuff on top of sets but i was like this is very cool i saw where you were like your hand animation that was going like this the hand, the yeah set. i was like holy shit i recognize that because i look at websites and i look for the same shit you know a lot oh, of them if anyone's ever looking i mean i'll give my secrets secrets away uh the ezra cohen packs are awesome yeah, dude i use the same guy i knew we were gonna nerd out about this i yeah. used glitch yeah. pack and I've used it on every single video for promo for this podcast. And I, I think I'm going to DM him. Just be like, thanks, bro. And then I don't know if you're going to see it, but he's They're awesome. nice dude. I, he's like our age, too. High quality stuff. And he puts tutorials in those packs. So like, I had no clue what I was doing on, on After Effects. Um, I still don't. I know how to like blend backgrounds and do a couple things i just learned how to like move the videos like so zoom out so i i'm still learning all that but i i think with any art too dude people think that like oh look at look at his video like that guy made that like he animated and i'm like Uh -uh. if you if you lift up the curtain behind any industry like they're buying packs grant it's still art i mean you're still combining it you're still doing your own thing to it but the, no one's doing it a hundred percent. Yeah. And it goes to music too. Like the amount of people who use loops, which I, I have nothing against, um, but use loops in their flume. Perfect example. He yeah. uses so many loops that literally if you found it, you'd be like, Oh, that's in a flume song. What the <laughs> hell? But like, no one cares. Like good art's good art. Um, I personally have, a little bit of trouble using loops if they're not like vocals um i i think melodies and and chords and all that are a a pretty personal thing but even if you can find something that just adds that extra element to it yeah but um yeah in any in in any art uh there's a lot of there's presets 
yep. to, to anything that, that people go on and, and use. In your music, what about um, what about drums in your music? Is that one of those things where you use like clips or you do your own drums? Uh, so they're all samples. Um, I mostly use one shots. I will use loops for like background percussions. Um, but as far as like the main kick and snare, um, never use loops for that. Yeah. Um, but I'm not a I'm not a huge sound design guy in um, in the aspect of like creating my sounds from scratch i i have done it um i like exploring more like finding a preset i like and then going through and adding effects um and mangling the sounds that way layering them together um so there's so many different ways of sound design it's not just going in serum and making your own patches um and that too goes to finding your sound like i've found there's uh an effect that i like to put on everything um i like and I've got a setting for it. I have saved. I'm like, ooh, this needs some erosion. Put it right, <laughs> right, right, right. erosion on this. Um, so it's just little things like that. Like you'll you'll find your sound eventually if you keep doing it long enough. Um, and it's just it's the things you like. It's figuring out who you are too. I mean, that's yeah. a, that's half the process. You don't do that by sitting around thinking about it. You do it by doing it. Yeah, that's right. I get caught up in like, oh, I need to watch more tutorials. And every time I watch a tutorial, I get like five minutes in. I'm like, I need to try that. Able to. Yeah, we can. <laughs> sick. And I don't watch the rest of the freaking tutorial. Yeah, an hour and a half goes by. Yeah. I, think my, I think my spine's compressed a bit, but it's yeah. yeah, like this all the time. <laughs> what do you do as far as speaking of being on the computer all the time, hunched over? What do you, you mentioned doing exercise earlier? Anything in particular or just like anything to get you active and moving? Uh, the fastest exercise I can do. So I am not uh, a bodybuilder by any means. Uh, I'll usually just try to do like push-ups in the morning, um, 30 push-ups in the morning and that's it. But just something to get, get the blood flowing. Um, I did just download an app that just has seven minute exercises and it's been kicking my ass, man. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm, a, I'm not in shape cardio wise. I'm like, like I'm out of breath from doing 20 jumping jacks. Um, but I still think that any aspect of exercise, right? If you're getting 1% better every day, um, by the end of the year, you're, you're going to be a different person. So yeah, incremental gains, super yep. cool. little bit every single day. bro. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it is, um, your birthday tomorrow, sir. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Happy, Happy birthday. birthday. Yeah. I appreciate it, guys. Yeah, turning uh, 27. So I'm, I'm getting up there. I still I still feel like a 19-year-old, uh, except for the hangovers. But uh, <laughs> yeah, catch up. Yeah. How, does, uh, how does the passing of time, if at all, has it changed for you? Like, this is another birthday. Is, you know, do you look at that year differently now? Um. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say so. Birthdays to me now are kind of like, I don't like them. I don't, I don't like a lot of attention. Um, I don't like people singing happy birthday and shit to me. Um, to me, it's, it's just like, it's another year. Um, I am getting up there in age though. And I think looking on that, some of the producers now who are straight up 14, <laughs> I'm amazed. Um, you ever heard of Pluto? 
Luca's awesome. Yeah. yeah. He's like, I looked him up too. He's like 16. I'm like, how are you yeah. killing it? And I'm like, how, how are you doing this right now? Some of these kids, man, they've been doing, like, I think Pluko's probably been in Ableton since he was like eight. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is your brother. Like the instruction book back yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Pluko's awesome. He's a great example of someone young. I mean, he was, I think he was on, I think he played Coachella when he was like 16 too. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I just take it kind of what we were talking about earlier. There's definitely times where I see these guys and like, they're so young, like I'm 27. I'm going to be a dinosaur before I get anything going. Um, but I think it's important to not, compare your journey to someone else's um i think a good rule to live by is compare yourself to who you were yesterday not who someone else is today that's a good one so we don't degrade yourself while you're in your own process you know so it's not about yeah status necessarily it's more about how you grow absolutely and that's uh something i always see people are like how's music going i'm like better this year than it was last so um it's easy to get down on, on what you're doing, but even looking back in the last year, I, I went from never playing in a, in a club or getting to do a show before. I've done two shows as TO. I've played in the club a handful of times. Um, I did the live stream stuff, released music, kept up with mixes. So, yeah, it's easy to look at what other people are doing, but as long as you're progressing – um not going backwards i think you're you're doing good right yeah i, I think that's pretty pretty great honestly <laughs> as good as you can do in my opinion yeah all righty so do we want to yeah got another one or... um it's like time for one to call it i know you got plans tonight being it your birthday and everything but just want to take a second and say we really fucking love your music and we appreciate everything <laughs> put out it's really really good well, I appreciate that, guys. Thank you for doing what you're doing. Um, it's awesome. I feel like there's not enough people talking to talking to DJs, especially guys coming up. So, yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. It was great talking to you. Yeah, and uh, we have all of your we have your handles and everything. But if there's any extra places that you feel like people can find you at the end of, I mean, you could share. Well, we you share a lot of your stuff on a lot of different mediums. But if you want to get it out on here, Ben fantastic just to say where you, we can find you people can find you where they can follow you and where you intend to be in the next couple months and how they can track your progress yeah absolutely i'm on uh, all social media even even tiktok i don't post on tiktok but uh, i think i've got one video up um all social media at t-o beats t-e-e-o-h um i'm on spotify itunes deezer amazon music title no one uses any of that shit but uh yeah okay cool <laughs> Yeah, you can find all my music there. Um, I put out uh, uh, a mix called Season 2, second Tuesday of every month, um, so you can keep an eye out for that. And as far as the rest of the year for releases, we're planning on being um, being a little quiet. Um, we want to build up a back catalog to really get after it next year. But 2021, expect a lot of, a lot of new music from me. Looking forward to it. Yeah, I, I appreciate it, guys. Um, any point in time, you ever want to come back on and promote some stuff, we'd love to have you. Yeah, absolutely. You guys got my phone number, so. Sounds great. All right. Let's uh, call it. Cheers it out. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Thank you. All right.
Thanks for listening, everybody. Next time we sit down with Spooks, he's a DJ based out of Washington State, and he's going to be our first Halloween guest and Halloween set. So it's going to be super exciting. Please stay posted and updated with us through our social media. And if you enjoy our content, please subscribe. Otherwise, in the meantime, stay caffeinated and stay healthy.